0: So, a uh, traditional
1: Jewish, Christian, and Muslim. So- Hi, Katie. Hi, Preston.
0: <laughs> uh, love is in the air. Is it? That's what they say. I guess so. I mean, tomorrow's Valentine's Day, so that's cool. Yeah. It's a romantic season
1: with a bloody and bloody start.
0: Bloody and bloody. I, know, I was trying to think
1: <laughs> of the other events. There's a messy
0: history here.
1: And we're going to explain it today on, on the, the Holy, Holy Watermelon, Watermelon Podcast. Podcast. Yes, yeah, think of all the events that lead up to St. Valentine's Day as we know it. And bloody was the only word that came to mind. So. <laughs>
0: That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, so. Who was St. Valentine?
1: Well, we don't <laughs> really know as part of the problem. So
0: Apparently, there's a bunch of saints that go by that name. Apparently, there
1: are. Okay. So, Valentinus is not only the patron saint of love, but also the city of Terni in Italy. Beekeepers, and my favorite, epilepsy and asthma. Perhaps because <laughs> love favorite. takes your breath away.
0: Oh, I like it. I like it. So he's not the patron saint of love in general. There's a lot of different kinds of love. And Valentine, Valentin, Valentinus, Val, oh, is the patron saint of romantic love. But more, more particularly, courtly love.
1: Mowage.
0: Well, more like I'm chasing somebody for mowage.
1: There. i just wanted to say now it's what brings us together today <laughs> so valentinus was a martyr but there are also miracles attributed to him so this is part of the canonization process if you remember
0: yeah you gotta Saints perform episode. a miracle <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> well, we're familiar with the February 14th being his saintly feast day. Uh, the day that was formerly dedicated to Juno, queen of the gods of Rome and protector of marriage, is also associated with February 14th.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I think it's ironic that this is the the connection we get to make when Juno, the protector of marriage, was married to a prolific philanderer and cheater.
1: You mean Zeus?
0: (laughs) Ah, Jupiter. Jupiter in this case, yeah. yeah. Hera was with Zeus. But, I mean, the Romans were all too happy to just adopt all of the Greek stories. So all of the same exploits, all of the same awfulness.
1: St. Valentine also gets two other feast days to celebrate him. So the Eastern Orthodox Church celebrates him on July 6th for Valentino the Presbyter. I don't know what that He's the
0: elder. It's like a priest, but different.
1: And even more importantly, they (laughs) celebrate upon July 30th, which, dear listeners, is my birthday.
0: And that's for the one that we're more sure is the same Valentine that we're talking about for the 14th, the Bishop of Interamna. So you actually do have the better of the two orthodox valentines there
1: you go heck yeah (laughs) remember me on july 30th
0: you know so so many months from now send
1: me a valentine on my birthday oh that'd be great that would be great (laughs) and the greek orthodox church actually encourages partners to celebrate their love the day before not the day not july 29th february 13th (laughs) (laughs) because it's the feast day of aquila and priscilla
0: Yeah, a married couple in the New Testament who served as first century missionaries.
1: Cool. And they said Aquila, right? Yeah. Wow.
0: So they were, you know, a good example of a married couple celebrating marital love as opposed to courtly love that the Orthodox Church is less excited about. Though they do allow their priests to marry or to be married, rather, as opposed to the tradition we're familiar with coming out of Rome.
1: And if you go back to (laughs) and Scandal, you'll see how that's working for everyone. Right. (laughs) So we've been purposely aloof on who Valentinus is.
0: Yeah. There is so much that is dubious. There's a lot of stories that have been going around that as far back as we can find them, they're still just stories about somebody who had come before that... We don't really know that we're talking about a real person at this point. (laughs) Yeah. But there was a fella named Valentinus who was martyred on February 14th, probably 269 CE. Uh, It could have been up to a whole decade later. But February 14th for (laughs) sure is the date of martyrdom for somebody named (laughs) Valentinus. Probably two people. Probably. Probably.
1: So two became one.
0: Yeah, they they end up merging together, or at least that's the way we treat them. I it gets a little funky.
1: Like I never needed that before. <laughs> uh, thanks. I never go on an episode without singing. Is that true? No, but uh, it's frequent. Okay. <laughs> um.
0: I know it is common. They don't always make the final cut, huh. but it happens pretty often.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think there were two people who became one, like the great Spice Girls romantic song, but not sexually like the Spice Girls romantic song. It's two stories. Yeah. Became one, which is St. Valentine's. as we know.
0: Yeah, that's the problem with something happening a whole 1,800 years ago, is that records get lost. They're sometimes just poorly kept to begin with. So... We hope that we've got a good story, and the stories that we're going to share are not terribly reliable. (laughs) Yeah. So, like we mentioned before, there was the priest or bishop of Interamna, uh, which is now today called Terni. And there was also that presbyter that they might have been talking about instead. (laughs) Eh. Yeah, we don't know what's (laughs) up. In the 1400s, there is an account of Valentinus the Roman who was beheaded for helping Christian couples wed. So we've got more than a thousand years between this story popping up and the actual martyrdom. So that's a little tricky. And it's, yeah, like I said, we're not sure if we're talking about the elder, the presbyter, or the priest or bishop.
1: Or if they're the same person.
0: Yeah, it's it's just too fuzzy. History is not kind to...
1: To poor Valentinus. Yeah. Valentinus the penis. <laughs> <laughs> the monogamous relationship standards we have today in North America are kind of a Christian invention. I don't think that's true. Haven't we had this conversation about how monogamy is like a Protestant value and that's why?
0: I mean, it's certainly important to almost all Christian groups, yes. Yes but it was actually forced upon Christianity by the Greco-Roman law of monogamous citizenship.
1: Interesting. I didn't know that. Why were they so keen on monogamy?
0: I'm really not 100% sure. There's a handful of competing ideas, though. There's the idea that you need to have only one wife for inheritance reasons if you were to die when your wife is still around. It's not good to have multiple wives fighting over your stuff. Of course, the, the counter-argument to that is it goes to the kids. It's it's all...
1: You're splitting it up regardless. Yeah. If you got 14 kids, that's just as hard as two or three wives.
0: Generally, anciently, it would go to just the oldest. Oh. Which is why kids number six and seven wouldn't even get real names. Like Septimus is just the seventh kid.
1: That's so sad. Yeah.
0: It's a weird way to live a life <laughs> I've so, known people with more than 10 children and they committed to naming each of those kids that's
1: good I was very <laughs> concerned you were going the other way with that story
0: uh, yeah but even the the whole deal we have in the New Testament where Paul says a bishop should only have one wife it's really important that a bishop a high standing member of the the religious community would follow the laws of the land, maintain his citizenship if he has it, thus having only one wife.
1: All right.
0: As opposed to the Jewish background that Christianity is coming out of, which is actually pretty comfortable with polygamy.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of argument on how common the practice was at the time, but the laws allowed for it.
1: All right. Valentinus, regardless, was a big fan of evangelizing people into Christianity. For sure. And he was happy to promote this idea of marriage between one man and one woman.
0: Yes. (laughs) So the story that we have of Valentine, though dubious, there's no ancient sources that say that this is for sure what happened. It's all much later stories explaining what's up, which is why we have a lot of conflicting versions of the story but the story is generally that emperor claudius insisted that his soldiers remain unmarried or alternatively that he wouldn't conscript married men but valentine helped them get married either so that the soldiers could be confident that their girlfriends wouldn't wander off in their absence or maybe just to avoid the draft either way this displeased the emperor so he threatened val with death if he wouldn't renounce his faith but valentine stood firm and he was beheaded.
1: Yep. Roman emperors did that.
0: Oh, so much.
1: But as we know, being a martyred isn't quite enough to be honored with sainthood. There's also a miracle story attached to Valentine's There Preston. has to
0: be. There has to be. So the miracle attributed to Valentinus was the restoration of a girl's sight. But, of course, even this story has a few variations. The girl was the daughter of his jailer in some versions or in others uh, it was the daughter of a Roman judge. Um, Maybe Asterius depends on the story. Because of this miracle, some stories talk about his judge or jailer being converted to Christianity. So, yay! (laughs) Because every story's got to have a conversion. Before his head was removed... He allegedly sent a letter to a girl that may have been the jailer's healed daughter or the judge's healed daughter. So, lady or, or somebody else entirely. Some sort of lady friend. And this is said to be the first Valentine card. Oh. Yeah. Um, alternative embellishments have admirers dropping off little notes for him while he was locked up. So the, the many conflicting stories... Don't help it be b- more believable.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. I read about 14 different versions of the same story.
0: Yeah. And it doesn't help that we keep coming up with new ones for some reason. <laughs> but we get what we get.
1: Valentine was buried briefly near the Via Flaminia Highway before he was dug up and moved to a more dignified place. <laughs> And then, according to some more dubious evidence, he got the sanely treatment of having a bunch of people break off little bits of his body, or pretend to, and sell that to pilgrims.
0: Yeah, I mean, why not make some money out of religion?
1: (laughs) Said every religious person ever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not quite, but Uh, uh, the vast majority of people who want to... uh... Have some sort of religious power. So Joel are definitely Stein. there for money, or or sometimes just to have access to your children.
1: Okay, really good.
0: <laughs> it does happen far too often. But speaking of chunks of the guy, right?
1: So Saint Valentine's not quite as good of a as our friend
0: John the Hydra. John the
1: Hydra. Uh, Saint John the Hydra. But it's pretty good.
0: This guy is got lots split of bits.
1: A lot more bits than your average person. and get not quite as Could much be. as St. John. Well, a lot of bits for the <laughs> average person.
0: Yeah, we don't have five heads for Valentine, which is impressive considering how many Valentines there definitely are.
1: Yeah, you told me there are five heads of St. Valentine. I would believe that more than five heads of St. John because there's potentially actually five Val- Valentinuses.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Ah, huh. so his skull is on display at the Basilica of Santa Maria in Cosmodon in Rome. The skull was discovered in the early 1800s. So, like yesterday?
1: <laughs> <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, yes. Yep. <laughs>
0: So it's a little weird, but it is wearing a crown of flowers, so that should just settle the matter.
1: I mean, was it buried with a crown of flowers?
0: I really doubt it. Or did it. they put
1: the flowers on the I think skull? they put the
0: flowers on it and just said, hey, it check looked- it out. <laughs> but in the reliquary that makes it hard to touch the skull directly, that's where the flowers are, inside, behind the glass. Yep.
1: Also, some of St. Valentine's blood and a few chunks of his bone are at Whitefriars Street Carmelite Church in Dublin. Yeah. Weird place. There's like no linkage.
0: Somebody wanted a saintly relic and got it imported. Uh, that happens a lot. I'm okay with the chunks of bone. I mean, as much as I can be with how questionable it is that it could possibly be Valentine. I want to know why his blood is available for this to be a thing. It's not a vial of blood like we talked about with a couple of other saints. But it's his blood dried up on a thing. Just why would his blood be there? He he should have had no blood by the time they moved his body. I think, Mm,
1: yeah, (laughs) not like someone caught it after his beheading, right? But then that'd still be eighteen hundred years old and probably rubbed away by now.
0: Well, it's carefully protected. All of these relics are always very carefully protected. Yeah,
1: but from the time before someone wanted it as a relic,
0: yeah. There's problems, for sure.
1: (laughs) Uh, This this blood and bone chunks actually did go missing, though, in the 1950s. No, I lied. They went missing, but they turned up again in the 1950s. (laughs) And they turned up clearly labeled.
0: Yeah, because anytime you pack away something as precious as the bones of a saint, you make sure you know what they are when you find them again. Which is important in a case like this where they straight up lost track of them for so long.
1: And there's like no way they could have just found some random bone chunks and then labeled them afterwards.
0: Oh, there's no chance of that at all, (laughs) Katie. I
1: think that's the most sarcastic you've ever been on air.
0: Uh, I think you're probably right. (laughs) It felt weird, but I did it anyway.
1: (laughs) A fragment of his skull. Again, this, does he have two heads or is the first skull broken?
0: Well, huh? to be fair, it's hard to get a really good look at the re- the back true. of
1: the skull. Yeah, It's covered in flowers. Right. What are so they hiding?
0: This could be the same skull. It could be legit.
1: All right. So I don't know. A skull <laughs> fragment uh, can be found in St. Mary's Assumption in Chelmno, Poland.
0: So that's kind of a thing. Yes. <laughs> uh, his shoulder blade is in Prague. I don't remember if it was his left or his right, but one of his shoulder blades is in Prague. And like the few chunks of bone in Dublin, it was also lost for a long time. They only found it again in 2002. Wow. But it turned up in the basement in a clearly labeled box. It was just tucked away and then forgotten for too long.
1: That sounds like a miracle. Right? Hey, guys, I found this thing.
0: What is it? Read the label.
1: <laughs> this one's really weird to me. You can visit a wax figure that claims to have some of the bits inside of the wax figure. In there's one in Missouri or France.
0: Yeah, it's it's actually really odd because you you walk up to it, it's a whole. Glass box like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs kind of deal. With a full body wax figurine that somewhere in this mannequin is chunks of bone. And that's it. So I've never been to Missouri. I've been north of Missouri and complained about the heat. In a glass box, it can only get hotter... I think somebody is really good at their wax work, and they probably have really relied, really reliable air conditioning.
1: I mean, there's Madame Tussauds all over the world and places that are hot. I'm pretty sure there's good one in air Australia. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's nobody talks about the the great air conditioning in Catholic churches,
1: though. That's true. I've never been in a Catholic church with great air conditioning. <laughs> I mean, I've been in a Catholic church like four times, but
0: okay. But I have to assume this one's good. Because it's holding up. Yeah. The years have not been bad. So that's cool. All right. And yeah, Paris, or not Paris, but there is one in France as well.
1: A few other churches in Europe have paper bags sealed with wax that claim to contain relics, which are probably small pieces of bone, either of St. Valentine or things he touched.
0: Yeah, it's... um... I feel weird about the whole here's a paper bag sealed in wax. <laughs> and just just trust me, it's got the good stuff.
1: It's kind of like pull my finger.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is definitely evidence that somebody played pull my finger very effectively.
1: Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> At least sometimes. Yeah, it's it's interesting stuff. <laughs> I'd like to see the relics when I go to see a relic. That's just me.
1: Yeah. I mean, we should just sell paper bags on our shop with relics.
0: (laughs) It's an option. Okay.
1: It'll be like a cotton ball inside.
0: It was like um, going back to John the Baptist. one One of the heads was wrapped up all pretty, but you couldn't know for sure that it was even a human head.
1: Maybe it was a monkey head.
0: I mean, it's a lot more likely that it's just the head of some schmuck. But... Some poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> and back to relics of good old St. Valentine. The town of Roquemore in France claims that when uh, the phylloxera bugs, which are like aphids, swept through the southern France in the late 1800s, coming from America, actually, they after it ruined all their grapes... Uh, Maximilian Pichot traveled to Rome to find literally any holy relics to bring back home to cure the plague. And came back with some of the relics of St. Valentine in October 1868. And a huge party followed. And then the vineyards got better. Wow. Yeah. So Another miracle. Exactly. Not that there was need for another miracle. He was already sainted, but... Made people feel great. And so now they have festivals pretty regularly.
1: Okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah.
0: It's all fun, a little shh. Did you know I can't whistle? <laughs> Thanks for that attempt at a wolf whistle.
1: <laughs> you do it. I can't
0: whistle either. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really?
0: Not properly. Oh, I can whistle breathing inwards, but
1: can you wolf whistle breathing inwards? No, oh, okay. I cannot. Well, it's
0: not my power.
1: <laughs> so what are we getting at with this very <laughs> sad? How are we both married um, with this very sad wolf whistle?
0: Ah, uh, all right. So in Rome, where all of these things have been super important. February is the month of purification. That's where the name comes from, being the only month that has a proper name that doesn't come from some person or god. January was Janus, March was comes from Mars, April comes from Aphrodite, May from Maya, June from Juno, and then we got Julio and Augustus, and then the rest of the months we didn't even name, just like Septimus, just numbered them because they don't count, just (laughs) like people. We're too tired. And but February means purification, which means it's a great time for a purification festival. Um, there is actually a minor Etruscan purification deity named Februs, uh, but he is newer than the name of the month. Wow. Yeah. So I don't want somebody to call me out on this and say, Not no, you, you, go, you forgot Februs. He's a god. No, no. He's newer.
1: But feel free to join our Discord to ad, Preston Recreblance. Absolutely.
0: I have had people say, Katie said something that's not true. And I said, call her out on it, on, um, on Discord. It won't do it.
1: I'm like, I'm like what did I say that wasn't true? Uh,
0: I don't remember off the top that's of my head. That's fine. It's, it's for it's... a
1: different conversation. Yeah. Not a
0: Come to Discord. Okay. <laughs> but right in the middle of February... On the 15th, so the day after, is Lupercalia, presumably named in honor of the wolfy heritage of the founder of the city, Romulus, and his brother Remus, who were nursed by a wolf. And the event is all about purifying the city of Rome. And there are two colleges of priesthoods called the Brothers of the Wolf who would lead the rites of the festival. Because the event was so important to the city, the chief priests to Jupiter would also be present. For the sacrifices of a goat and a dog, or sometimes more than just no. one. Yeah, it's the Greeks and Romans didn't like dogs as much as we do today. They were certainly there as pets very often, but they were also dirty dogs. No. And I don't—I'm not sure if they would uh, sacrifice the best of the dogs or just grab one available. I'm sure it depends on who was in charge that day. And Vestal Virgins would also come bringing their salty cakes. And I think this is a really good example of how people from different cults come together to celebrate common values. We don't see a lot of that today. Even within Christianity, there's a lot of animosity that people don't want to get together. But these people, worshipping different gods, come together and just celebrate being a community. And party. (laughs) Yeah, they party hard.
1: Yeah, so people would be naked and drunk.
0: Oh, yeah always for sure.
1: <laughs> I mean, how else do you spend your Valentine's Day?
0: Right. Of course we're talking about people who didn't celebrate Valentine's Day.
1: Yet, they didn't know.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> yeah. And hitting on women was also really common. Of course. <laughs> but not the euphemism, Preston.
0: Huh. They That's would actually the sometimes
1: just beat the women because they thought that hitting women Would make them more fertile.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's not helpful. (laughs) No,
1: it's not. Yeah, so just smack your wife. Of course. (laughs) Don't smack your
0: wife. Yeah, that's solid advice. (laughs) Uh, The most romantic tradition associated with this festival of Lupercalia was the lover's lottery, which is a name I made up. I don't think it was actually called that.
1: I like it though. I
0: saw it. I like the alliteration, and it's it says what it is. I
1: like it. Yeah. Uh,
0: a young man would draw the name of a young woman from a vessel in the evening before Lubricalia, and then he would get to spend the festival with her. I don't know if they were ever concerned about the consent of the young woman. I was going to say, I did the women
1: get to like put their names in, or are they I volunteered?
0: I couldn't find that information and that's not helping the situation no it is suspicious in theory people got to enjoy the festival would that be enjoyable for everybody
1: for any of the women doesn't sound like it
0: unknown unknown citizenship was important citizen citizens got proper rights relatively speaking i can hope it was all right but i don't
1: We've settled down a lot.
0: Yeah, you don't see a whole lot of people naked in the streets on Valentine's Day.
1: I'm sure it depends where you go.
0: I think you're right. It probably does depend a lot on where you go.
1: I also found some notes on a day called, I think, Gallatin's Day. Sounds right. Not Galantine's Day. <laughs> as much fun as Valentine's Day is. This is Gallatin's Day. And it was a Norman celebration And Gallatin means lover of women. So here we go.
0: Now, is it somebody who actually really cares for the women or somebody who takes great pleasure in women?
1: I do not find very much on Gallatin's (laughs) Day at all, but it sounds like it's kind of the first modern moving away from the animal sacrifices and woman beating.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah.
1: So Gallatin's Day did not have that. And here I am saying it wrong. And there are some people who believe that Gallatin's Day amalgamated with Valentine's Day because the names were so similar. Could be. So they just kind of like became one.
0: I mean, very often we have festivals that take on new characteristics as they age. So there's no reason to say with certainty this couldn't be the case. But not having animal sacrifices, that's all
1: right. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I like my dog.
0: Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) There's a newer Christian purification, kind of in comparison with what we had in Lupercalia, uh, that does also happen in February, on February 2nd. Uh, Most scholars agree that there was no deliberate plan to replace the Roman tradition with a more obviously Christian event. The argument does still come up from time to time. It feels a little bit weird that that's the case but we get what we get so the event that we have on february 2nd is the purification of the blessed virgin mary also known as Candlemass, and it commemorates the day that mary was obligated to take sacrifices to the temple 33 days after jesus circumcision which is supposed to be january 1st There's not that many days in January, (laughs) Uh, which is supposed to be the eighth day after his birth. That was presumably December 5th. There's not that many days in December. (laughs) Somebody's bad at calendars. But the important thing here (laughs) is that purification represents an old Jewish tradition and just happens to fall close to mathematically correctly (laughs) in February. (laughs) Uh, just out of coincidence but there was a little bit of effort to have it replace one saying that this is good the other was bad but it wasn't a a sneaky masking thing at all candlemas has been observed since at least the late fourth century but didn't really get popular until pope Galasius the first endorsed it in the late fifth century while also claiming that Lupercalia just wasn't relevant to Christianity. Uh, He actually has written a lot compared to a lot of the popes of the time. And so we can see a lot of the letters he wrote back and forth with other authoritative figures in Rome at the time. And so there was a fellow who was trying really hard to revitalize Lupercalia in the city. And the pope was like, eh, maybe don't. (laughs) (laughs) For reasons that I think we've covered already,
1: <laughs> I bet he just didn't like the naked women.
0: That seems unlikely, but it's possible he wasn't into the ladies, or we
1: liked them too much,
0: right? Very Causing real possibility. Him
1: to sin.
0: What I am Sure. <laughs> yeah, so he did try to smother one while promoting the other, but it wasn't a sneaky replacement ball and cup thing. Uh, The same Pope Galasius was the one to establish Valentine's saintly feast day. I think it's funny to note that he didn't actually know much about Valentine and was willing to admit it. That he's just like, we don't know much about him and a lot of the other saints of the time as well. But God would know. So that's good enough.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm okay with it. (laughs) Because Preston, the Catholic Church actually took away his formal feast day um, because of the confusion around his history. So they corrected it in the end.
0: (laughs) Yeah, now it belongs to somebody else.
1: But you know what they haven't corrected yet?
0: Oh, they'll never correct St. Teresa. Teresa of Calcutta is canonized forever.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well,. We've ended on a low.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the saint of the day for February fourteenth. Now that they've taken away Valentine's special feast day status, I mean, he's still a saint. He still gets gets recognition for it. He gets recognition on the day. He's still on the calendar of saints, technically. But he's not the number one guy anymore for February fourteenth. Instead, we have Saint Cyril, and. We also have St. Xenon
1: oh. or Xenon.
0: It looks like Xenon, but it's not spelled with an X. It's spelled with a Z. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> so he has to share. Of course, I mean, thousands and thousands of saints, 365 days in a year, 66. I'm sure somebody's is on February twenty-nine. And who
1: celebrates St. Cyril or St. Xenon?
0: We're Nobody.
1: all too busy eating <laughs> chocolates right? and watching chick
0: so as much as the church tries to change our minds and behaviors, people are going to do what people are going to do.
1: People are going to do <laughs> what people are going to do.
0: And of course, the all of the Protestants and all of the Orthodox people still give credit to St. Valentine on his feast day. Of course, the Orthodox, not necessarily February 14th, but on your birthday.
1: Yeah. <laughs> We need to reiterate that several times.
0: Yes. Your birthday for you? the Orthodox St. Valentine.
1: Don't forget it.
0: <laughs> ah, all right. Well, that's that's it for our show today. Yeah, it's
1: a quick and dirty
0: sure. show for St. <laughs>
1: Valentine's Day. So you can get back to it, uh, gentlemen. Go buy your lady some flowers if you haven't yet.
0: Remember, it's for romantic love. It's a little weird if it's uh, somebody that you're not hoping to get romantic with.
1: <laughs> don't fire an appliance.
0: No. Bread makers, refrigerators, washing Vacuums. machines, right out. Don't no, do it.
1: Don't do it. <laughs> uh, if you want other helpful advice or religious studies content... <laughs> You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram or join our Discord, where apparently you can tell me what I'm doing wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you want to call us out on something, join us on Discord.
1: Uh, If you want to support the podcast so we can keep doing what we love, we have our Patreon uh, subscription model where we do bonus episodes, early releases, uh, and have other fun content. Or you can check out our spread shop and buy some sick Holy Watermelon merch.
0: Thanks so much for joining us. Peace, Peace be with, with you. you. By the late
1: Middle Ages, the Christian prophecies had